And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the first week of the NFL playoffs, Kevin Love's unhappy with the Cavaliers, Kyrie's possible return, possible not return to the Nets, James Harden and his amazing tear this year scoring, along with a lot of other subjects uh, in between. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Mohammed, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening, and keep listening. And also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and soon we will be having, like, a... Um, so you think, you know, sports uh, flyers and stickers and things like that. So comment on our pages. Uh, we'll definitely send something out to you. Um, but uh, with our first subject, we're going to be covering the NBA and Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving made recent news with Kevin Durant to join the Nets after many rumors went around the NBA last year uh, that the two wanted to play together on the same team. Even after Kevin Durant's setback with an Achilles injury while playing for the Warriors, since then, Katie has been ruled, ruled out for the entire year of the 2019-2020 season, uh, which this has kind of held back the progress of the team. Uh, Kyrie has been injured for a large percentage of this season, as this was supposed to have been his year to really take over the team and lead them to at least somewhere or show good signs of them being able to rule the East when KD returns. Now, with his injury, he has been out since November 14th of 2019, as we're in the new year, and has missed over 23 games straight this year. Saturday, Kyrie breaks his silence about his injury and setbacks. Kyrie said he waited too late to take inflammatories for his shoulder and has pain every time he lifts it to take a jump shot. At this point, his only options are going to be a quarter zone shot or surgery, which he has not completely ruled out just yet. But do you still have as much faith in Kyrie and KD to rule the Eastern Division, even though they will both be returning off of major injuries once paired together? Um, really with them being paired together, I never thought that they were going to absolutely rule over the East because I felt like there were some other teams that still well, really improved as far as the 76ers a little bit. And then Giannis, he continues to improve. This is a big hit for the future of the Nets with Kyrie Irving because this is actually becoming a consistent thing with the injuries. Whenever Kyrie Irving was still on the Cavs, he had some type of knee injury that he was threatening to have surgery for because he didn't want to play on the team anymore. And that that ended up happening whenever he got traded anyway. So this guy, he continually has multiple injuries that just set him back every single year. So I, I feel like this is going to be a consistent thing for the rest of his career. And we should really um, hold back on the Nets being a team to reckon with. So you don't have much faith in them 
ruling the East. Um, and if I got it right, you really didn't have that full faith beforehand. But I no, guess I didn't. what's your yeah? Okay, so thank you for the uh, yeah. So what's your confidence level in them making it past the first round next year? One past ten. the first round, yeah, I, I think they can make it past the first round. Um, if Kevin Durant can come up, come back maybe 85% of what he was, even without Kyrie Irving, they can make it past the first round, but I'm not sure after that. So um, to repeat the question, uh, do I still have confidence or faith in Kyrie and Katie to rule the East? Um, actually, I'm siding from, oh, a lot with you on this one. I didn't, I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that they would rule the East, even though that is the uh, – overwhelming thought uh, when it comes to fans and the NBA since the East has seemed to be the the weakest division uh, over a large span of years here. Uh, it's not as much tough con- competition to to rule a full division as Milwaukee has shown. Um, but uh, my faith level, my confidence level uh, on a one to 10 on now them, Passing the first round, that's easy to say. Yeah, I can have confidence that they'll pass the first round. Now, whether they would dominate the East, this is this is a big problem. Like you said, it's 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 it keeps happening, and it's both of them. They're supposed to be the main stars for this team. One returning off an Achilles injury, which has ended many careers. Many, the majority, overly a majority of the people who have an Achilles injury does not return to any type of. Um, uh, success that they had before the Achilles injury, uh, just as Kobe. Um, oh, I remember other than his 60 point game where they fed him the ball, but that's a side <laughs> note. <laughs> but that's a side note. We all enjoyed that. Uh, but when it comes to Katie and Kyrie, this is a problem because outside of the injuries, you also have a attitude problem or an emotional problem when it comes to both players, and they're not even on the court. Yeah, they're not on the court, and they are <laughs> they are just sitting by watching the rest of their team play while they're trying to get better. Yeah, and so do you ever see Kyrie working out with the Nets, or should they hedge their bets and start scouting someone else to pair with Kevin Durant? Well, I mean, just me looking from the outside, I say yes, go ahead and start scouting, but as a team, I think you should wait at least one more year before you start looking for another player. Because Kyrie Irving, he he's already kind of emotionally unstable. So if you give him that idea that you want to get rid of him, he's not going to want to stay there. So you give him at least one more year. I, I agree. You have to play this out. There's no way not to play this out. Um one big reason why they got Kevin Durant is because it was paired with Kyrie. But I don't think this ever works out. I honestly don't think this situation ever works out with Kyrie in play. So, yes, they should hedge their bets and they should be talking to Kevin Durant, even though Kevin Durant and Kyrie are best friends. They need to do it for a business wise through uh, for winning wise, because it's already shown this year. Nets have been better when Kyrie does not play. I, I think it turns into a type of hero ball where it's Kyrie or nothing. And everybody ends up possibly just sitting around to see what Kyrie's going to do, uh, which is 
a thing that happens with a lot of other teams. Uh, sometimes that happens with LeBron. That ha- sometimes that happens with James Harden. Um, there's a couple different players that does happen too. Um, but in this situation, definitely hedge your bets. They've already had problems with him having mood swings earlier this year, uh, even before the season started. There was a report of mood swings with the organization. And he's been out more than half the season already. Uh, they're not getting the return on their investments at this point. No, they're not. And at this point, they could easily slip out of being in the playoffs. I think right now they might be seventh or eighth seed, but they they really do need Kyrie in multiple ways, but you never know how he's going to react while he's playing. Yeah, I, I agree. He's... Uh... He's toxic at this point. I never want to put him in that box, but he is. He is. If it's not even just, if we're not even considering his actual uh, attitude towards the team, which is a big thing, because that's most of you, uh, everything is not on the court. So outside of that, you can't even keep him on the court. Uh, you already, you're having problems with the injury. Uh, he's already been out half the season, like I said, and it's not looking good when he's saying that he can't, he has pain when he lifts his shoulder to take a jump shot. He may be an amazing ball handler, but it seems like his negatives are outweighing his positives at this point. Yeah, uh, we might learn in the next few years that Kyrie Irving is retiring. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah, I should have put that question in there, but I, I, I was going to comment on that. I don't think he makes it past three more years in the league. I think he simply gets tired of the league and the league gets tired of him. Um, not completely, because I think there is there are teams, there's many teams out there, about 20 out of the, uh, is it 32 teams? No, it's, it's less than that. Uh, it's teams. 30. 30, I thought so, yeah. So I still think 20 out of 30 teams would still take the risk on Kyrie, uh, no matter if he was still coming off an injury, if they still had reports of attitudes. I still, still think 20 of those teams would do that but they won't be contenders and contenders do not like to change up the the feel of a locker room especially when it's someone who can affect the locker room so much and is seen needs to be one of the main figures on uh, uh, a franchise winning a championship yeah i would have to agree with that okay so do you think that the nets would have been better off if they had kept d'angelo russell they they might have been because he's a pretty young guy. He's a pretty good player. Uh, he's he's not on the level of Kyrie Irving, but I feel like he definitely fits with the team. They've had success with him before, um, but you might not have gotten Kevin Durant if you do keep D'Angelo Russell. So there's that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're completely right. That, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. I don't think they – the only way they would have been able to get out of that is to absolutely convince Kevin Durant that they're better off by choosing D'Angelo Russell uh, because they give up money to have Kyrie. They didn't have to trade. They didn't have to give up any certain actual player or draft picks to get Kyrie. He was a free agent. He just didn't resign with the Celtics. Um, but yeah, I do think they would have been better off with D'Angelo Russell. I think they'll be a whole, they would have been a whole lot higher in the standings right now in the playoffs. Uh, like you said, they are probably they can easily slip out of the playoffs right now, which I don't think they care as much about this year. This was always a 
see what we got here uh, because they're waiting on Kevin Durant to return. That's, that's just, they're kind of frozen in time. But they were hoping that they would get a great benefit out of still having Kyrie lead the team who were, were pretty successful before um, they, he got there. Um, but at this point, even though it doesn't reflect in the Warriors uh, record, because D'Angelo has pretty much been had to be in the lead for that team with there being a uh, list of nobodies uh, playing for the Warriors right now from the people we know. Uh, but I have to say, D'Angelo Russell wouldn't have that chemistry problem. He wouldn't have that attitude problem. And if we're talking apples to apples, talent to talent, I would actually outweigh D'Angelo Russell's over Kyrie's, which this is, this is, like, uh, I hate to even say it like this, but I would say that because D'Angelo Russell does not have an attitude problem and a chemistry problem with the, or he hasn't been reported as that way, that he would be better off than Kyrie who has injury problems, who has attitude problems, and do not – he's really a, a crapshoot any day. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The best ability is availability. And D'Angelo Russell, so far in his career, he's been there. He's been playing. He only had that one incident with uh, – what's his name? Um, uh, Swaggy P. I can't remember his real name. You know but that, yeah. Uh, it, it was just that one thing. But other than that – Swaggy P's name? He, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell has been good. Yeah, I, I agree. But that was all some uh, Instagram stuff. They were just being a little immature, and he grew a lot from that experience and getting in trouble and getting traded because of that situation um, while they were both members of the Lakers a few years ago. Um, but I, I'll, I'll push this one on to the, the last question about Kyrie. At this point, what is your dependability level for Kyrie? One to ten. Ten being the highest, one being the lowest. I would say a three. It's it's Ooh. he over the past well, it's really since he left the Cavs, his dependability has gone way down. It's on a downward slope, and he just has not been available. And um, that he doesn't like the situation, he wants out. He starts talking in those uh, soliloquies and metaphors and all that stuff, and. <laughs> he ends up being shipped out somewhere. Um, so I, it's it's very low. It's a three for me. Man, I'm trying to push him off this three, but I, I, I think I got to agree with you because he's not even halfway dependable. Um, mm, uh, yeah, I, I can't give him any type of dependability. That level has lowered more and more since he – demanded his way out of the Cavaliers uh, from off their, that franchise, which could have possibly gotten them another championship. But we, we don't really know because Kevin Durant did join the Warriors, but it would have made for great entertainment if he had actually stayed there. Um, so his dependability level has lowered at least at a minimum one point per year. And he's three, just about three years removed from being a Cavalier. I don't even think a full three years, but even when he was with the cast, I think his dependability level was somewhere around a six or a seven, uh, even then. Yeah, because he, he did miss some time while he was with, on the Cavs, but whenever they needed him, he was there. Well, especially because LeBron was able to hold down the fort until he got back. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. 
because he was injured the first year they went to the championship. LeBron got him there. Uh, he was in, in, he just wasn't there on the, the third time around uh, when LeBron and the Cavs got there. Um, but to moving along, we we're moving towards the Lakers and Kyle Kuzma's situation with the Lakers. The Lakers are now looking to deal Kyle Kuzma uh, in the trade market. And this season, he has been hitting a career low of 42% from the floor as in his six-man role. So what would be the best trade and fit for the Lakers and Kyle Kuzma? The best trade? I'm not even sure. I know that he's kind of dipped in his productivity since Anthony Davis came along, but I think it's kind of early to trade him. He is a younger asset that could grow into something with Anthony Davis as time goes along, um, if they can keep both of them on the same team, because I'm not sure how long LeBron is going to be there, but you don't want to sell off all your young pieces. Um, so it's really hard to say what they could get for Kyle Kuzma. Okay. Um, I think they all get pretty good right now. I think there's still a little bit of – upside in people's mind about Kyle Kuzma, depending on which team is looking at him. Uh, I didn't get a lot of time thinking about this because I just thought it up just now, but I think communication between the Lakers and the 76ers should start to happen. The 76ers need a closer. They need shooting. And I don't think they should trade Ben Simmons or they should definitely not trade Embiid, but they should be open to deal almost everybody else to get Kyle Kuzma. They need a finisher. Kyle Kuzma has been a finisher for the Lakers, even though he's shooting a low of 42%. Uh, he's great at the, as the sixth man, but I think he would be better in a starting position. So there's a lot of hope and a lot of youth to the 76ers. It would make a, a great core for the future and uh, the ability to possibly gain some control in the East as Milwaukee has had the most control in the past two years. So just quickly looking at it, if I had to just choose one team really quickly, who's a contender, because that's probably the best situation for Kyle Kuzma, I would say the 76ers. And for the Lakers, um, I think that's still a good trade because you don't trade within the West and you send him to a good situation. And what they can get back from the 76ers is rebounding or defense. And possibly, I, I wouldn't say they get a shooter, but let's say I don't think they're going to get Al Horford. I don't think they can get um, – I think they should try to deal Bradley Beal. No, that's sorry. He's at uh, Washington. What's the player that they just signed other than uh, Jimmy Butler? Well, Jimmy Butler left. Um, and, but it was another player who had just joined them, but they, so they signed him instead. But he's, he hasn't been working out that well. I can't pull his name right now out he, of my head, but um, just, uh, he, he, people will know who, who I'm referring to. Uh, I'll, I'll get it in my head at some point because I can imagine them in my head. But I think that, that'll be the best situation for the Lakers. Lakers are playing a win now game. Uh, I know the 76ers are playing the same game, but they're playing it with a little bit of longevity, with a, a little bit of youth on it. And having your core be Kuzma, um, Ben Simmons, and Embiid, I think is a great way to build towards a future that can get them at least one championship. 
His name is Tobias Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Tobias Harris. Thank you for looking that up as I was talking. Yeah, but Tobias Harris, I think that would be a great fit for the Lakers. He would feel like a uh, a Carmelo role, but I think he would provide a little bit more defense uh, than uh, Melo. Not to get on Melo right now like that, but I would just think he's a, he will be. I think that's a great trade. I think that's a. And now a contract, I don't know how a contract's going to work out because they did just sign him to a deal. Um, but if that could work out, I would say that's the best fit for both teams to prosper. I don't think the 76ers want to really make that trade, especially because they just invested so much money into him. Um, but if the Lakers but take it's not him working on, out, they need a shooter. They need a shooter. They lost a lot when they lost J.J. Reddick. They lost a lot when they, uh, when they lost Jimmy Butler. And it has not returned to their team. The, the shooting has not returned. They, they are able to pull out wins, but the losing is really taking a toll on Embiid. This is a side story, but just this past week, Embiid even acknowledged that the, uh, the losing is taking a toll on him. And I think they need a closer slash shooter, which Kyle Kuzma can be. Potentially, but it's. I feel like it still could be the same situation. There's only two stars with the Lakers right now, and there's supposedly other, like two other stars on the 76ers, along with Al Horford. So, where do you think he fits in there? I, I think it might end up being the same situation. I think he just fills in Tobias Harris' spot. They, he, those are the five starters. The five starters are Ben Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Uh, Al Horford and uh, I'm forgetting somebody. Um, Josh Richardson, but I mean he's <laughs> oh somebody somebody who doesn't matter as much. So he has two spots he can fill. So that that's my, that's the point. I, either way, they need shooting. That it's proven they need shooting. They need somebody who can shoot. They need somebody who can close and who can get a bucket. Kyle Kuzma does fit that spot, and he fits it at a youth youth type spot. Not a we're just gonna patch up, patch it up for right now, so we can get to a championship. They should try to play it out for longevity because they will be competing against M, not MB, but um, Giannis throughout probably the next decade. Yeah, but I, I kind of see the the marriage between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid kind of breaking up within the next couple of years. If Ooh. they don't have any success anytime soon. Man, that's a hot take right there. And since you went that way, who do you think side they're going to take? Like, who would they keep? They'd probably keep Ben Simmons in this situation Ooh. because Joel Embiid gets hurt. He, he gets hurt too much. And the stomach problems and all that stuff. He may be the more talented player, but for the long-term future, it has to be Ben Simmons. Hmm. See... I actually think that I think it as um, Embiid. And now you, you made a great point with the stomach issues, the uh, stuff like that, injuries. But I can see without without Embiid, Ben Simmons is going to constantly get nowhere in the playoffs if he gets to the playoffs with that team. With Embiid, you can supply a shooter. You can supply a second man. You can get a point guard. And a certified big man is – it's not that it's hard to find. It's just not how the NBA works this right now. And if Embiid can fully hone his his skills as a center, 
in this next decade, he can beast uh, players like ridiculously beast players. But it it, it all depends. That, that's a, that's a whole side note. But I, I see your point. I don't think there was a bad choice in that that you said um, Ben Simmons to keep him because they do kind of look at him as a pre-LeBron. I didn't know whether oh. you wanted to uh, comment on that, but do you think you can go ahead? Okay. So, so do you think all this talk of trading Kyle Kuzma is due to Kyle Kuzma's trainer's recent comments and negative shots at LeBron? Well, with, with the history of LeBron and being in control of teams and having that influence, it, you might have to say, yeah, it's, it is because of that indirectly but i don't think it's completely that 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 may have been just a tiny bit of it but but not much i, I feel like the relationship between kyle kuzma and lebron are very tight they uh really like each other friends and all that stuff but as far as the fit this season it it just hasn't been good with kyle kuzma because they thought they would get at least you know an uptick in points or maybe at least around the same with the same efficiency, but it hasn't, it hasn't panned out that way. So I just think it's more of just his play rather than the trainer's comments. I, I can agree. I don't think it has to do with the LeBron comments, but it does not help his case. It just made it to where they're, they're easily going to make it public. They're definitely going to be shopping him. And his play on the court has not been that great. Uh, one reason why I think the, Lakers actually kept him is so that they didn't say that they were wrong in all of their previous moves on rookies and uh, how they drafted. Since they were getting rid of everybody, they didn't really want to look fully unfaithful by getting rid of the entire team. With getting rid of Kyle Kuzma, that will be the remaining part of the previous team from about three years ago without the uh, LeBron, pre-LeBron. And it's just not working. They need a, a now player. They need a seasoned player. They need somebody, if they're not seasoned and they know their role and they know how to do their part, they need to be uh, a young talent that is a force to be reckoned with, that, that is going to produce minimum 20 points per game. But wh- why would they need another 20 points per game player whenever they have LeBron and Anthony Davis? These are supposed to be two players that's enough to put you over the edge for that championship. Well, 28 is, is not enough. Like, so I, I see they need that. Just to answer your question, it's because some, everybody needs a 15 to 20 uh, point player, no matter what big pieces you have. Like the Clippers, they have Lou Williams coming off the bench, uh, guaranteeing you 15 to 20 points. It's not more than 20 points the majority of the time. Uh, I think he averages more than 20 points per year. Uh, I mean, sorry, not per year, but per game. Um, so, you, you're going to need that. Like any team needs that, just like the 76ers need it right now, just like uh, the Heat needed with their, their young players who are producing at least 20 points. So just to answer your question, uh, I see your point. They're supposed to be pushing it over the edge and everything, and they haven't gotten tested just yet when it comes to playoffs. Uh, but they need to set themselves up for success in the playoffs. And if we're looking at where our faults are, if we're the Lakers, if I'm the Lakers, you're looking at Kyle Kuzma as that at that chink in your armor that could create a situation where you don't win. 
I also think they should look at possible injuries for the team. <laughs> uh, so which players are you referring to? Well, both of the star players with LeBron with the groin and then Anthony Davis with, you know, just missing time. I'm not sure what his injuries have been, but he's missed some time. Oh, you talking about LeBron? Well, I was talking about Anthony Davis. Okay. LeBron well, is with the groin. Yeah. So uh, just to bring it up, uh, it has been in the shoulder for Anthony Davis. Uh, he'll have he's he's more like he he plays a lot. He gets soreness. He has problems. It's probably something he gonna need. He will need to eventually get surgery on in the off season. But I really don't see it happening this year. LeBron is the groin uh, injuries, and yes, they should do a type of load management. But I think they they need to prove it to themselves once again that they are a winning team. They got they started to smell themselves when they went on that uh, I think seventeen game streak, twenty game streak. I'm not sure exactly the number on that where they they just kept winning games and then they lost four straight games. So they need to prove it to themselves again. That's why I think LeBron has been pushing to play shortly after the injury. Cause I think he only set out two games after the grown injury and then went right back into playing his normal quote unquote, normal minutes uh, for the team. And they have been winning. So I think they don't want to lose their, their upper hand on the West. And right now they are, I think at least five games ahead of the next team. Yeah, they they're in a pretty good spot, uh, but they should load manage going forward from here. Yeah, okay. So um, just to move it along, uh, since we do have a lot to cover here, we have Kevin Love and his issue with the Cavaliers organization. Now, Kevin Love is one of the main uh, pieces for the Cavaliers one championship that was gotten while LeBron was with the Cavaliers. It has been two years since LeBron has left, and Kevin Love still remains, but is unhappy. Recently, Kevin Love went on an emotional rant directed at the Cavs GM, Kobe Altman, Altman, sorry, Kobe Altman. And after his $1,000 fine, uh, he had another outburst on the court where he seemed to be extremely frustrated during the game, uh, calling for the get ball, throwing it at the other player so that they can shoot it, being very frustrated with the Cavs organization on the court and off the court. Uh, now, Kevin Love did ask to be traded to Portland just a few weeks ago. So should Kevin Love be so mad? And if so, what about I think Kevin Love should be upset because the Cavaliers, they haven't really done too much to be successful post-LeBron. They've mainly just kind of been satisfied where they are. It's mainly because of the owner. Um, he, he doesn't know exactly how to run the team, so they've had no success since LeBron has left. And Kevin Love, he, he was a perennial all-star. He, he's just sick of losing. Um, he, he did win one ring with LeBron. But he's always been in trade rumors, and I'm pretty sure he's just sick of all the mess that comes with being with the Cavs. So I think it's pretty justified that he would want a trade at this point. Well, should he be mad? I don't think he should be mad. He's still getting paid, and he understood the situation he was in. I don't. I really don't think he had real faith that they can even make the playoffs, even at the eighth spot, with the current team he has as him being 
the main uh, superstar on that team. Like he, he would be highly delusional if that is what he really did think. So with that thinking, he shouldn't be that mad. Now it's already been proven that they've had problems at the GM spot, at the owner spot when conducting business with this team. You chose to stay with them. You chose to then sign on again and know the situation you were in. So I don't think he should be that mad. The mad, the mad is he's been displaying. I understand that he didn't like, well, he didn't really care about being fined because this, this back and forth has already happened just last year between the GM and Kevin Love. And his comments, uh, Kevin Love's comments was, go ahead and find me. I have plenty of money. This is only the first time he's actually been fined, and it was only $1,000. I know that's a lot to us, but that is not a lot. It, actually, it's not even a lot to us. Um, when he's making millions of dollars, that's like uh, putting a penny in a bucket. Uh, it's not much, not at all, but it's about the principle. So he can be mad about being fined. Uh, uh but actually, as I was thinking, no, he can't be that mad. And as long as they're at least shopping him, he's, he can't be that mad. It's really just an accumulation of things. He's He's been on a, a, a bad team for a while now. And I'm pretty sure he signed that contract whenever LeBron was still on the team. So it was possible for LeBron to stay at that point. Um, so I... I think it's pretty justified that he should be mad, mainly because in a, it's an accumulation of all the losses and an inept owner and team. Okay. I, I definitely agree on the inept team and ownership. But uh, why do you think Kevin Love hasn't been moved, especially since the team and him have, haven't been seen eye to eye? He hasn't been moved because the – the Cavaliers want to get a lot for him, but teams aren't offering a whole bunch for him. Um, he comes with a lot of baggage as far as his contract, so nobody wants to take that on. Um, but if he was maybe twenty, maybe twenty million dollars less on his contract, they would reconsider. So I, it's mainly just his contract and his play at this stage of his career. He's pretty good, but not that good to pay him that much. I I agree. I think he's tired of being in no man's land, and that's why he's probably mad. He is a superstar who not really living in a superstar town um, of Cleveland, and that only makes it all. It's only a superstar town when LeBron's there. We'll we'll just say it like that because even when Kyrie was the only one uh, superstar out there, it still wasn't a superstar type town. He's tired of being in no man's land and not being treated as a professional athlete. Um, especially with the organization not being the best. So the reason why he hasn't been moved, I agree. His his ticket is too is too costly. Uh it's too costly to get him. And I, I don't I still don't get what he expected. Uh you know what kind of type of contract you're you're actually putting out there. I guess he must have more faith in his talent than and of his value to teams than Pretty much everybody is looking at it. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, nobody really thinks of him as the old Kevin Love that can carry a team. I mean, even when he did, even when he was the only all-star on his team, he barely made the playoffs. So n- nobody wants to pay for him. Agreed. 
Agreed. Uh, so we'll cut it short uh, on the end of that one. We'll see where that story goes with Kevin Love and the Cavaliers. But we're going moving to James Harden. And as normal, James Harden is putting up impressive numbers, almost averaging 40 points this game, which is about 10 points more than the next player in all of the NBA. He's actually averaging 38.4 this season. So recently he put up a stat line of 44 points, 11 rebounds and 11 assists, a a 44 point triple double. Now, as Harden rises in the stat record books. It begs the question, what does Harden have to do to pass Allen Iverson on your all-time list? Would he have to win another MVP, make the finals, or has he already passed Iverson? At this point, statistically, he probably already has passed Allen Iverson, but Allen Iverson is so beloved in many people's eyes because of what he went through, the the style that he brought to the game and just the giants that he went up against with Shaq and Kobe. People are always going to have that, that love for Allen Iverson, but James Harden, he's going to have to win a championship to pass him in a lot of people's eyes because at this point, people have kind of turned a blind eye to all those stats all the points that he puts up. I mean, it's like, what else can you do? They, they, they've already kind of gotten past all those stats that he puts up. So he really needs to win a championship to be put above Allen Iverson at this point. I agree. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure whether you answered the question, but no, I don't put him above Allen Iverson. I don't put Harden above Allen Iverson in my all time list of players. Um, it's kind of understood. What? Were you asking me if I do? Well, in the questioning, it says like, or has he already passed Iverson? And it's in, on your opinion, uh, on the all time list. And I was just about to say, most people are, it's kind of understood that he's between either the 30 to 20 spot or the 20 to 10 spot, which is hard anyway to get into the 20 to 10 spot. So he's probably somewhere in the, 30 to 20 range on the all-time players list. Uh, that's slightly understood that way. Um, so, but in your mind, do you already consider him higher than Harden, higher than Iverson in the all-time list? It's really hard to say. Um, I mean, Allen Iverson, he, he never won a championship, um, but it's just the style that he brought to the game and who he went up against that really puts him on that higher level. Uh, but I say no, no. Um, James Harden has not got to that point where he would overtake Allen Iverson at this point, mainly because he hasn't won a championship. And I, I feel like it's harder these days for players to come up and pass an older generation because the spotlight is put on them a lot more. Agreed. Like if, Harden was doing this back in the day. I still don't know. I really don't know because it's so hard to place Harden in mental standards of when he's in an era of Curry. He's when he's in an era of Kevin Durant and, and not you don't even compare him to a LeBron. We're just talking about pure shooters and he still might end up third on that list. It's, it's actually kind of understood that he is at best 
third on that list. So how can he be above Allen Iverson in the all-time list? Um, just to compare uh, with the questioning, like, uh, would he have to win another MVP? Well, he's already – Harden's won two, right, already? No, he's only won one, but okay, he's been, he's really ever since. He, he's Yeah, he's always been in the running, at okay, least three so he, years. So he has one just like Iverson has one. Uh, will he have to make the finals? Well, he's made the final, but he was a sixth man when he was on a finals team. So uh, I guess you don't give the same worth there on the finals. And if he wins a championship, I still don't think he passes Iverson in the all-time list. It's, it's such a hard thing to dethrone Allen Iverson when he is uh, more of a culture changer. When it comes to a player who's a culture changer, it is hard, very hard to put, knock them down on a all-time list, just like Steph Curry. Steph Curry's pretty high up on that list. I, I would say Steph Curry's probably be bridging between 15 to, to one spot uh, in the all-time list just because he's a culture changer. And Allen Iverson was a culture changer. We've already seen this before. We've already seen uh, players score a lot of points, not not to the level that Harden has, because he is about the average. He's averaging close to 40 points, which is absolutely unreal for a full season. But I, what would he have to do? He have to win two championships. He has he have to have to win minimum two championships to pass Allen Iverson, and even then, I don't know whether he actually passes him in the all-time standard. I think he has to win one championship and consistently keep doing what he's doing now. Yeah, I can, actually, I, I'll change it up a little bit here. He, if he, because I think he can still pass him with one championship, but what he has to do is win two more MVPs. He has to win two more MVPs of the league, and he can pass Allen Iverson. Because I, it, I think I, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you think that's a tall task, or do, like what do you mean by and ridiculous? I'm not exactly. I, sure. I think that's ridiculous to pass Allen Iverson. I know he's beloved. I mean, I, I know he's beloved in a lot of people's eyes, but it's, it's not like he won a championship or anything. Very true. <laughs> Very true. But I think in people's minds, they won't give it to Harden unless he wins two more MVPs. Like, he can't even just win one more. Because if he won one this year and won a championship, he still doesn't get put above Allen Iverson. He would need a third MVP of the league to be considered higher than Allen Iverson because it has to be undoubted. It's kind of like the um, LeBron-Jordan debate. It has to be undoubted to replace the top person. And it it just seems like it has to be undoubted with Harden to pass Allen Iverson. Uh, I don't. I don't think so because nobody looks at Allen Iverson as the best player ever. So I, I don't think it'll be. It'll take that much to pass him. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. I, I, I. It depends on which way we're arguing this one. But uh, is there anything James Harden can do this year to win League MVP? To win League MVP, he has to get the first seed in the West. Um. Putting up all these points, of course, is going to help, but you have to win first in the West and look more impressive than Giannis has been in the East, even though the East is a lot easier to win in. But um, he, he really just has to get first in the East, overtake LeBron and all them, 
and keep putting up the, the same amount of points, then he can win MVP of the league. I, I think he has to. Oh God, it's so hard this year for James Harden because even with what he's doing scoring wise, he's still third on the list. And it's hard to debate against the other two people at the top of that list, LeBron and Giannis. Giannis is on an amazing tier, and it's becoming his league as the NBA wants it to be. And LeBron is showing you that he has not lost that much, if anything, uh, this season. So I think the league and fans want to give it to LeBron or Giannis. So I don't think there's anything short of... Mm. Well, number one seed, does that actually give it to him? <sighs> I think it he has, has the bubble. I think I think if he averages forty two points, which is sounds stupid, it, it's it sounds stupid, but it has to be exactly oh, it has to be over forty points averaging and get the number one seed. So I can agree, but I think he also has to uh, lift up his points total so that anytime there's an argument on why the other two people should be the MVP. They they can point to some numbers for Harden to gain, gain the uh, league MVP. MVP. But why forty points? What's the significance there? I think because he's he's below the forty points. Uh, he's at thirty eight point four, and forty points would be undoubtedly over ten points more than any other player this year. I, I don't see the next. I can't remember who's the next player under him, but I know it's under it's. It's right at 30 points, 30, 31 points average for this year for the next person down and of this league. So he's Harden's going to win the scoring title. That That's already been uh, said. I can't even remember who that other player is right now. But with that being said, that 42 would push it over for the numbers wise. So if you wanted to debate it, you know, when the vote comes up and you're like, he had an amazing tear last year and we didn't give him the MVP as they felt he should have gotten last year over Giannis. Uh, There's a, there's a group of people who thinks that it should have been Harden over uh, Giannis just last year. Now, if he averages more points than he did last year, plus bumping it up from this mid season where we're not in press and gains that number one seed where he is not there now, it has to be like we have to rely on the numbers to go against people's hearts and minds against Giannis and LeBron. And I think that's what he's he's battling against. Well, I, I really just think it's more about all the storylines. People want to put Giannis on the same level as LeBron has taken over the league and uh, taken and over minds. the East. That's hearts and minds. Yes, it's all about storylines. It's not yeah, really about the stats. <laughs> no, I agree. That's and that's the storylines. It's your hearts and minds. It, it, that's that's not. I'm not saying they're working off stats. Like they have amazing stats. That's why they're even considered. But with like you're saying storylines, it's the same. I'm saying the same exact thing. In their hearts and minds, those storylines mean more than Harden's stats because he doesn't have really a storyline that hasn't been for the past couple of years. He scored a lot of points. Where does it get him, though? Yeah, I mean, but where has Giannis gotten? No championships. So it's, it's really No, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I definitely hear you. But his his is so different. He's he's an uh, – it's so hard. It's a hearts and minds situation. That's why I keep thinking it's, it's not that based because 
in my head, I keep thinking, okay, I got a good argument for why Giannis won uh, last year, which you're going to have a good debate. He's in the standings. He has stats. He has the stats to back these things. And I was about to say, it was about to come out of my mouth that Giannis is just one of those unstoppable players. But Harden is also. So the difference maker between the both is literally just a hearts and minds situation. I just value Giannis's progress and what he's doing with Milwaukee over what Harden does for the Rockets. It's a hearts and minds situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> so so we're, we're agreeing. I'm just uh, saying, and I do think Harden should get more credit for this, but even in myself, even knowing stats and even knowing he should be considered more, my heart and mine is either with Giannis or LeBron, as long as they stay in the running for MVP. And you can't particularly put it all on stats when LeBron's leading in a category, uh, James Hart is leading a category. And I think Giannis is leading a category also uh, with rebounds, but I'm not exactly sure. But I know uh, LeBron is leading assist per game with 11 per game. Uh, and I think the next person is maybe at nine, maybe at nine. So he's, he's averaging at least two more assists per game than the next player. And of course, uh, James Harden is scoring roughly about 10 more points than the next person down averaging for a year. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess. But, uh, we'll, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll cap that off in, with the NBA and move into the very interesting NFL. Now the playoffs have started real competition has now begun. We begin the playoffs with the t- a matchup between the Texans and the Bills. It was a close matchup with the Bills leading all, all throughout the first half of the game. But the Texans scored 19 straight points unanswered. And in the end, Deshaun Watson finds a way in overtime to lead the Texans to a win 22-19 to over the Bills. Now, with no short of clutch plays for Deshaun Watson, what makes his style of play more special or different from Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? I think his style of play is it's, it's hard to say. Um, I knew it was going to be hard. They are a similar time. type of quarterbacks, but Deshaun Watson – the main difference is at this point in their careers is he's been he, he's played in higher level games just going back to college. Uh, the other two have not played on that big stage just yet. Um, but that's that's the main difference. They are not the exact same quarterback, really. Um, Patrick Mahomes is more of a deep ball thrower. He really likes to take a lot of chances and throw the ball deep, mainly because he has a deep threat in Tyreek Hill. And he runs whenever he needs to. He, he's he's never looking to run first. Lamar Jackson, he he uses his legs almost every time. He's I'm not saying he's always looking to run, but they do design runs for him. And he's also gotten better with passing. So he's he's really the biggest dual threat type of quarterback. And then Deshaun Watson is the same type, but he's not going to try to run first of course he's he's going to try to see who's open and try to get the pass there but he'll take off if he needs to and Lamar Jackson is more elusive he's the most elusive out of all the quarterbacks but Deshaun Watson he really shows up whenever 
the lights are the brightest. I can I I can agree, and I knew this was going to be a hard question because I've been kind of running like running it through my head the difference or who's just better between these three dual quarterbacks. It's so hard to say this. Even when you said they show up in the big moments, you can't really discount the other players for not showing up in the biggest moments, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Deshaun Watson, because none have a winning championship just yet. So you can't say they've they've done it all the way through. Um, Now, even for myself, even though I propose this question, this is, is really so hard to distinguish between the three and what makes Deshaun Watson such different or better than these other quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is the most elusive. You're completely correct. And I can't say he does not look to pass first also. It's just we have the stigma in our head that he is not that person who's looking to throw first. Um, So it's so hard to tell the difference between them all. Actually, the easiest way to kind of place it is to say that they're all the same type of quarterback. That they – other than Patrick Mahomes, he can he can th- run, he can be elusive, but he's just not as elusive as Lamar Jackson, and I may put him a small tier lower than Deshaun Watson. The person who has the better, better arm is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but that could possibly be either one of the other two quarterbacks too. So it, the, actually the easiest answer is they are the same quarterbacks, just in different situations. I don't think they're the same quarterbacks. I think they all have slight differences that make their that make them their own quarterback. So what's one thing that each player does not have over the other player? I know, of course, Lamar Jackson is probably the easiest. And when it says running ability, but other than that, what can you just say that one quarterback has that the other one doesn't have? Well, I would say that Patrick Mahomes probably has the best deep threat arm type of um, accuracy. Um, I think that's hard to say, even with Lamar Jackson, because he's, he's shown it. We just don't think of him like that. I, I would still take Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, generally as a quarterback. Sense? So what's the difference between the uh, – so you're, are you saying that just like the sign, sorry, Deshaun Watson does not have uh, as accurate deep, deep ball? Probably not as much as Patrick Mahomes, but he, he's def, he definitely is accurate. Um, but he can be turnover prone at sometimes, maybe because of offensive lines, but he shows up whenever he gets another chance. Yeah. I, I, I would like to make that distinguishing characteristics for each uh, player, but I just think the safest answer is that they are the same quarterbacks just in different situations and I know we're just going to partly disagree on this one because we're just we're it's tomato tomato it's very cut edge sore between difference between these uh players so I actually move to the next question which is do you count the Bills season as a success since they did get eliminated in the first round by the Texans yeah I think this is some success because they drafted their current quarterback to be the future, and he's already got some playoff experience. Um, he played um, – I mean, he was up and down. He, he wasn't the best, but he, he showed some really bright lights during the season. So I, I feel like this is definitely a success. Nobody thought of them as going to the playoffs before the season, but they were pretty successful 
they did have a very good chance to win the game at the Texans. So I, I think you should count this as a success. Okay. I, I can agree. Uh, it, is, it is a success other than the fact that they did not win against the Patriots this year. Uh, that would have really made it more of a success if you can really count that as a success if you're out in the first round. But due to expectations of what we had of the Bills all throughout the season, we always felt that they there's something that was just going to hold them back. And you can say something did, but they they played very well all throughout the season, even in this playoff game. Uh, I actually thought they were going to win when it came to early in the game. They They controlled the game the whole first half. So, yes, there's great I do count their season as a success the regular season as a success postseason no because you can't give success to a first round knockout you can give success when they're not used to being there (laughs) and I think they are a young team so this is a positive thing Okay. Yeah, I, I can, either way, I, I do also think that their season is a success, even though they lost uh, there. But how much confidence do you have in the Texans when they face the Chiefs this in this next round? I, I have a lot of confidence. Um, Deshaun Watson, he really shows up to play whenever he's in the in the bright lights, and they've already beaten the Chiefs earlier this season. So it's it's a high possibility that they can win this game. The only thing I see that can really happen in this game is really the, the differences in the quarterbacks. No, actually, the differences in the defenses. Really, as of late, the Chiefs' defense has been playing better since Patrick Mahomes has been back, and they have really clamped down on opposing offenses. So I really think that it's really just the opposing defenses that really kind of take each team over the edge. The Texans defense really isn't that good. So I I think it's really going to come back to who has the ball last at the end of the game. Very true. Very true. Um, My confidence level for the Texans against the Chiefs, uh, it, it's it's hard to say because they did not look like the team they were in the second half that came to the first half. Um, but it, that's a better signal to end the game better than you begin the game. But uh, God, I would say actually, yeah, uh, you're you're co- definitely correct. It's the defense. It has to be the defense in these situations. And I, in my mind, I have more faith in the Texans defense than the Chiefs defense, even though I'm not supporting that on numbers. Um, the Chief, I do know that the Chiefs play, defense has played a lot better the second half of the regular season for Patrick Mahomes once he did return. Um, but my confidence level is out of a 1 out of 10, I'm going to put them at a 7 for winning the game. So we move to the next playoff game, which is the Patriots versus Texans. As this was another close matchup, uh, they went down to the wire all the way through. The Patriots go down to the Tennessee Titans 20 to 13, losing the game. Now, with a late pick six by Tom Brady, 
with 15 seconds left to seal the win. Uh, Tom Brady, it, it was kind of decided at that point that they were going to be losing this game as they were on the one-yard line, uh, their own one-yard line. Derrick Henry had a career game, the running back for the Tennessee Titans, uh, on his birthday, 182 yards rushing, 22 yards receiving with a total of 200 yards uh, in regulation. Now, what lost the Patriots this playoff game? What lost them the game is what's really been going on throughout the whole season. The offense has not had the requisite weapons or the chemistry that you would have thought they would have. A lot of the players weren't really getting too much separations on the outside. Uh, the offensive line played pretty well. Sonny Michelle, he, he came out to play, played pretty well. Um, there were multiple drop passes, and the team just didn't look like they were ready to play. It, it's really probably a blessing in disguise that they did get beat earlier than later because they get a better draft pick going into the offseason. So the team just didn't have it this year. They didn't have enough weapons on offense. Defense played pretty well for most of the season, but they pretty much got exposed going later on into the season. So I would say it was really a blessing in disguise that they did lose the game. But what, what lost in the game when it comes to actual in the game? Okay, well, in the game, of course, Derrick Henry, he ran all over them. He exposed one of the Patriots' defenses, one of the Patriots' weaknesses on defense, which was uh, the rushing. Uh, usually the team was up by a lot, and teams abandoned the run, so they weren't as exposed, and they had to throw the ball a lot, which is their strength. Well, supposedly their strength on defense. Yeah, uh, I can definitely agree there because him rushing for 182 yards, I think I'm pretty sure he had like 34 attempts, which is a lot of attempts to get 182 yards, but he still was chunking it out here and there, uh, having an extremely great career game. And he did get the rushing title, uh, will be getting the rushing title for this year. Uh, standing as the best running back in the league for the 2019-2020 uh, season for the NFL. Um, but what lost the Patriots the game? I'm going to have to point out the obvious, not being able to produce points. Their offense only produced 13 points. I, I know that the Tennessee Titans defense is somewhat formidable, but they only produced 13 points. And it's very likely that does not win you a playoff game. So if I had to point out two things, it's definitely going to be Derrick Henry. But when it comes to what the Patriots can control, uh, since they couldn't control how much they got rushed on, it would be producing points on offense. Yes, of course, it was producing points on offense. Um, too many drop passes on multiple drives. Uh, there was a, a drive killer that was uh, – they threw the ball downfield, and it was a pretty large gain. But then there was like an ineligible man downfield or something, and that took that big play away. So there was a lot of drive killers as far as drop passes and penalties that really could have made a difference but ended up being nothing in the end. Yeah. So 
if you're Tom Brady, how do you feel about the NFL season this year? Uh, he he should feel disappointed because it's always championship or bust. He's always asked the question, which Super Bowl is your favorite? And he says the next one. So he's already <laughs> so he, he's always trying to get next. Um, so it's it's got to be a disappointing season, even just coming back off of winning a Super Bowl. So, well, he really has to think out what his future may be. Yeah, it's it's great to have such high standards. And you're right. It is Super Bowl or bust. And I, I like that comment. I think I heard it before, but it just chuckled me again when you said, which one is your favorite Super Bowl? Uh, referring to Tom Brady's comments. And it's the next Super Bowl. And if the next Super Bowl is not there, then, of course, the season is a loss. So for Tom Brady, looking at this season, I would look at it as a struggle. It wasn't an absolute struggle other than maybe one game, uh, which was the one where they had Antonio Brown. Outside of that, it was it was kind of hard uh, for on Tom Brady. Uh, they might have scored a lot of points sometimes. They they won a lot of games early in the season, but it was it was pretty much a struggle all the way through for the over forty year old Tom Brady. And uh, I point out his age. Because it is even more of a struggle if you're not in the mood to go through those type of struggles. Um, so I would say I would look at the entire season as a struggle, not exactly a disappointment because, hey, you did have a great record. You didn't have a losing record. But I would I would look at it as a struggle, not exactly a disappointment. You did just win a Super Bowl last year. Yeah, but you always want to get that next one. Just keep stacking championships. <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, who shouldn't think that way if they can think that way? And they're pretty much the only team and the only player who could think like that outside of the Warriors during their uh, their great run and their dynasty and LeBron. Uh, if you're not, those are the only type players I think of as uh, it's, it's win or bust. Or you can go to the single sports like uh, Serena or Tiger Woods just to get a little off track. But how much confidence do you have in the Titans when they face the Ravens next round of the playoffs? I just have just a tiny bit of confidence. If you want me to give you a number on the scale from one to ten, I'd say about a three or four. Um, this team is pretty <laughs> talented, but the Ravens – they are even more talented. <laughs> They're just on another level. I, I don't think the Titans are ready for them. Of course, they are the same type of team as far as running and playing defense, but I don't think the Titans will be able to really upset the Ravens at this point. I mean, it's definitely possible, but it's hard to see that happening. I can completely agree, and I'm going to notch that down a little bit more. My confidence level is a one when it comes to the Titans face, facing the Ravens. Because at every position, I think the Ravens are better than the Titans. The Titans Even at running are, back? Uh, yeah, I'll say yeah. Because it, <laughs> no. only, because, only, only, only because it's a combination of the threat of your quarterback. That's the only reason why. Uh, uh, so I had to explain it. Only because there's a threat of your running, uh, of your quarterback. And if he's not going to hand it off or going to hand it off, that is a large, large threat. Because he sometimes, even when the play is 
is designed for Mark Ingram to get the ball. Sometimes he pulls it out knowing that uh, Mark Ingram's about to get tackled and he runs for 15 yards. And that makes him more dangerous. That's the only reason why I say, yeah, better at each position due to the combination of great players. And they did have the uh, record or they don't have the record, but they tied the record for most Pro Bowl selections uh, this year. So, yeah, you're right on single base, whether the running back is better. But when it comes to the team, I'm going to say at each position, they're better uh, due to the threats around certain positions. Um, And the Titans are built on solid defense, keeping it close, and we'll, we'll, we'll fight it out to win. And I don't think they're going to be able to really do that with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to score. And that's, it's just not going to be able to stop them. They may have to try to do a scoring match, which I don't think they are equipped to do. I think the Titans will make it interesting, but I don't think they will be enough to win against the Ravens. True. I, I can I can agree to that. Um, but in other news about the Patriots, the Pats are to face discipline for filming the Cincinnati game, uh, play calls and rotations, as we reported a couple weeks ago or maybe just a week ago there. It's now been deemed as Spygate 2. Since the Patriots are out of the playoffs, what type of discipline do we expect to see if it is the worst of scenarios? The worst of scenarios is a first-round draft pick. Uh, but, well, first-round draft pick and a fine. And also a suspension by the head coach. But um, other than that, I really can't see too much. I know that's pretty hefty, but I don't think they'll go that far. Uh, I really think they'll get a, a pretty big fine and probably a draft pick. I can agree. I I, I can't really. It, it's hard exactly to say because it it depends on what they deem this uh, violation to be. If they deem it to be, hey, you you all been doing this for a long while. Um, where we finally have enough evidence, we're going to crack, or even if it's a situation where they're like, we're just going to crack down on you completely so that we're not looked at as soft against the Patriots franchise. Even with that scenario, I, I, it, it, it depends. It just depends on how they deem uh, this violation to be. Now, if they deem it to be a, a, a big, big issue, they're going to suspend Bill Belichick. And I agree on the fine and a hefty um, uh, penalty of money. But what I actually think is going to happen, it's just going to be a somewhat hefty fine and one draft pick, no suspension. So that's what I expect. Yeah, I expect somewhat of the same thing, mainly because they came to – would have a conclusion with the investigation pretty quickly. This this wasn't really long and drawn out, so it, it seems like they'll handle this pretty quickly and try to move on. Yeah, I I, I agree, but it depends on how it's actually going to be when they open this book back up in the next two weeks, because that uh the discipline should be held actually come about in the next two weeks here from the NFL uh, to the Patriots. But if Bill Belichick, the head coach, 
of the Patriots is suspended for at least half of the next season. Do you expect Tom Brady to re-sign with the Patriots, even though it may uh, be his last season? Well, I would have to say it depends on when they come down with the suspension. Um, it's it's really hard to say when they'll come down with the official decision for the suspension, if they do. So it's, But if it does happen, um, I see him – it's it's really hard. He really wants to stay. Yeah, if but, he's suspended. He's, I'm pretty sure he still wants to stay because he's used to everybody at the organization. He's never played anywhere else. Oh, but, no, I understand once, but do you think he does it even if Bill Belichick is suspended for half a year, which makes it not as likely you actually make it to a, a playoff situation? Um, I'm, I'm still not even sure. Um, really, he just might just sign right back with him just to prove that he's not uh, a product of Bill Belichick. Just to prove that. Okay, I can see that scenario. That was a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, but I think the organi- organization is still going to have to do a lot of background work to get, supply him with weapons. Um, I actually think I, I'm still leaning towards he's not going to return to the Patriots. He's gonna he's not going to retire. Like he said, it's very unlikely. Uh, his Tom Brady's comments after the game when asked. Uh, is it likely he retires after this? Um, and he said it's highly unlikely, which I completely believe. He He's not going to want to end his whole career on a pick six, first round knockout. But I can see the scenario where he actually sees it as a positive that Tom Brady, sorry, not Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick is suspended and that he actually produces wins. I don't think it makes a great, great argument for it because he'd still be associated with the Patriots. I actually think his argument would be better if he actually left and went to a contender. And if Bill Belichick is suspended for a year, I since I already think he's not going to be there next year, I makes it it makes it even more likely that he does sign with a different team who is in a position to contend for a Super Bowl. Uh, maybe, but I, I think it's it's really hard to say right now. I, it, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> we don't know what's happening, but I, I was just saying if. He was out half the year. What uh, so what could you see them him doing? So it's all opinion anyway. But um, I'll move on to the next playoff game, which is the Vikings versus Saints. Uh, great playoff matchup that ended in overtime. The Vikings come out on top, 26 to 20. Drama will definitely come from the non-call and overtime, and a push off with a push off by Kyle Rudolph. We'll have many questions the NFL will need to answer coming up in the coming days when it relates to the Saints. They seem to be in this situation quite often uh, these past couple seasons. So first, do you feel the Saints were cheated? And if so, since this is their second year where the Saints aren't in are on the wrong side of a non-call, do you think the NFL has it out for the Saints organization? Well, I'm just going to cut all that right there and say that, no, they weren't cheated. Uh, nobody's going to throw a flag on that little push-off. It's, it's not as egregious as 
what happened last year in the NFC Championship game. Uh, they, they had multiple chances to win this game. They played it pretty safe at the end of regulation, uh, having the ball just to kick the field goal. So I, I really blame it on the head coach, Sean Payton, and Drew Brees, because Drew Brees did not have the best game. Um, with all his requisite weapons at his disposal and being at home, I thought he would play much better. But I guess it just continues the story of the, the Saints just not playing how they're supposed to and losing in a heartbreaking way the past three seasons. Really, I feel like people don't look at Drew Brees as far as, uh, like, they don't put blame on him as much as they do, let's say, I'm not going to say Tom Brady, but even Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of flack for not going to the Super Bowl or something. But Drew Brees, he it seems like he always gets a pass, even though he hasn't performed up to the level that we think of him as. Uh, oof. There was a lot to take in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Feel free to comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, to address whether I think they got cheated, yeah, uh, I'll we'll cut it short. And no, I don't think they got cheated. Um, like you said, there's they're not going to call it on that, and you can't beg for a call to decide whether you uh, win a championship. So yeah, we'll we'll cut that short. But to address um, the Drew Brees Aaron Rodgers situation, I, I'm trying to like he. You made me have to think about the argument of why I mentally support <laughs> Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers. And all I keep thinking is I'm just biased, so it's hard for me to even give you some credible um, argument on this, too. Uh, you know, I I don't like Aaron Rodgers as much because I like Brett Favre. And Drew Brees has been my favorite quarterback outside of Russell Wilson for the past at least seven years. So, it, oh, God, um, just to make it, uh, even from my biased opinion, Drew Brees come through, comes through in clutch moments. And this was not decided due to something he did do or didn't do. I guess you can decide it like he, he didn't produce more points. But I don't think you put this on him, just like you don't put last year's on him, which was a clear call that was supposed to be was supposed to be called. And even a year after that, it was the defense who um, gave up the touchdown uh, with the Vikings. So it, it's just, it's, I just don't think he is to blame in each one of those situations, <laughs> even though I know I'm being very biased. Yeah, you're being very biased and you're proving my point about people not giving him blame. Because last year, before that whole penalty, didn't he throw it into the dirt to Michael Thomas? On but that then, first down play, but and we can't really go play for play. Like we don't know what's going. On but his if, mind. He, I know, if he I completes know. that pass, the clock keeps running instead of stops. And then in this game, he threw an interception that set the uh, Vikings up for a touchdown before the half. And then he fumbled going for a touchdown himself. So that very you, true. You, you got to put some blame somewhere at some point. That's a good argument. I. Hey, that was a. Hey, I'll give you that. You've at least leaned me a little bit more towards, I guess, what you were uh, commenting about, not really questioning um, with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Yes, there should be more blame on Drew Brees, especially with 
this one, uh, especially with what you pointed out, um, I, I just can't go uh, in my head game by game for Aaron Rodgers right now. Uh, we'll just we'll stick to the Saints and Vikings for right now. So, do you see Drew Brees getting another chance at a Super Bowl before his career ends? If he stays with the Saints, yes, he can get another chance. But the the team is really going to have to look at themselves and see w- where their problems lie. Because they they have all the requisite weapons. This was probably one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best, from top to bottom when it comes on, when you talk about defense and offense. They really just don't have any excuse. They were playing at home. They have the best weapons. It's They're, they're really going to have to look at themselves in the mirror because they have the parts to make a championship run. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'll say he gets a shot at possibly making it there again. I, I it just I don't know whether he can actually win another one. Like looking at what they have set up, yes, they have a great team around him. Um, but I just don't know whether it's gonna work out for him again. Uh, especially when since he's probably probably had his best chances these past three years. Um, with these teams. Uh, but just to move it kind of along here, uh, what is your confidence level for the Vikings once they face the 49ers in the next round of the playoffs? Uh, my confidence level is kind of high, but it really just depends on the quarterback play. This team has always been talented, the Vikings. Uh, just going back before they got uh, Kurt Cousins, the quarterback has always been the question mark. They have the talent to succeed in the uh, defensive-minded coach, but it's all on Kirk Cousins from here. Uh, the, the 49ers, they're not really a team that's, that has a lot of uh, playoff experience, so they can take advantage of that and maybe make the Super Bowl run. I'm, I'm really not sure if they have um, <clears throat> the right quarterback to make that, but they have the talent to do that. Okay. Um, confidence level really like a fifty-fifty here. Um, the 49ers, I feel like they still have a lot to prove, and they're it's mostly on their defense, uh, defensive side. Not like a lot to prove to everyone. Yeah, re- re- they do have a lot of things to prove to everyone else, but more like we are who we said we are. Not a situation where uh, they actually care about our opinion fully. Uh, like they, they feel they are for real and they may come into this game with the right type of energy that we once again got to prove ourselves and show that we are the truth. Um, and mostly leaning on the defense there. Now, kind of comparing the teams. 49ers defense is going to have to show up. And if the 49ers sh- uh, defense shows up, they they win the game because the best part about the Vikings is their offense. At this point, so it's it's not their defense. So I would have to say my confidence level is right right in the middle. It's at a five. It's it's a fifty fifty. It depends on what happens. It really leans on the 49ers defense out of all aspects of the rest of the team. Like it's not going to be the Vikings offense. It's not going to be the Vikings defense. It's not going to be the 49ers offense either. I think it's really going to lean on the 49ers defense and what they do to the Vikings offense. 
Yeah, um, I feel like they can really create some pressure on Kirk Cousins if uh, the running game is not going for the Vikings. And if that happens, then it's, I, I would say, pretty much over. Because <laughs> yeah. if they don't have the running game for the Vikings, then the 49ers can really take control of the game and easily win. Agreed. Agreed. So we move on to the last playoff game, which is the Seattle Seahawks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this matchup, not as close, but kind of close. It's not a high-scoring game at all. Seattle comes out with a win 17-9 to, to nine versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Philadelphia Eagles do not score within this game, and early in the game, Carson Wentz is held out of the game due to a head injury. Um, but we ask in this situation, are the Seattle Seahawks real contenders or do they still need more to actually make a Super Bowl run? I think the Seahawks still need more to make a Super Bowl run, but they do have a quarterback who has experience in the playoffs and has won a Super Bowl along with their uh, head coach. So I, I say, yeah, they, well, actually, no, <laughs> I say <laughs> they, they still need to prove some more uh, they, this team did not really prove to me that they can really make a Super Bowl run because Carson Wentz did get knocked out and they were playing the backup quarterback and he, he almost led them to really tie in the game, but, I never thought the Seahawks were going to lose this game since Carson Wentz went out. So they're really going to have to show me something in the next round against Aaron Rodgers. Agreed. I think they had to show a whole lot more. They needed to score at minimum one more touchdown. Uh, I know it's not exactly apples to apples when we're comparing their offense versus the Philly defense, but we're, we weren't expecting much of the Philadelphia Eagles, and we do expect a lot of the Seahawks, no matter whether they have the right weapons or not. And in this situation, it seems like they need more weapons to make it further in these playoffs. Um, So I do ask, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles losing here, do you count their season as a success since they did make it to the playoffs over the Cowboys? No, this, this is a huge disappointment. They were looking at Super Bowl or bust going into the season. They thought they had all the requisite weapons to make a playoff run and to get a first round exit is very disappointing. And then on top of that, your quarterback, your future quarterback that you just paid gets injured in his first ever playoff game. It's, it's just all a huge disappointment and really ask some questions going forward from here. Do we want to commit long-term to Carson Wentz, even if he's injury-prone? Because he, in just a little bit of time that he's gotten into playing the playoffs, he's gotten hurt. And it's the same story every single year. I can agree. Um, I think there's a slight success. They got further than expected once we got fully into the season. Because after four games our expectations lowered for everybody. Well, I wouldn't say everybody in the NFC East, but we, we definitely lowered them for the Eagles. Um, as we had the highest expectations for the Cowboys all the way through, even though they never proved to give us the benefit um, 
of having that faith in them. The reason why I say the Philadelphia Eagles season is somewhat of a success is because they did produce nine wins. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the only reason why I'm saying because they produced nine wins out of the mess that they had. That's why it's a success. Now, going forward, it is definitely not a success. It is questions at the quarterback. Uh, there's questions at almost every position. There's no – I think they could really get rid of the entire team. They're not going to do that, obviously. But they can get rid of the entire team and not feel that they missed out on anything. I, I, I don't disagree with that. With, there's questions all over the place. Um, yeah. <laughs> most most of the talent that they had who got injured are actually kind of older players. You, you look at Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Um, I'm not sure who else, but it, those guys aren't young anymore. So you, you really got to look forward to the future. And Carson Wentz, he, he's got to change up something. I, I don't know what it is, but he just keeps getting hurt. Yeah. Um, so it, it does make it difficult for the Eagles in the future, but at least for now, I'll count it as a small success because you got to the playoffs, you got a home field game, uh, a home game in the playoffs, and you won nine games. So take your victories where you can get them uh, because you shouldn't even been in the spot after uh, our expectations of this team uh, shortly into the season. But We'll exit on this last question. What is your confidence level for the Seattle Seahawks when they face the Packers in the next round? My confidence level is a six. Because I feel like, yeah, yeah, I I feel like this team has the playoff experience with their quarterback and coach, and they know how to make plays whenever they need to. And Really, over the past few years, Aaron Rodgers has not played the best. Uh, actually, I, I think the last couple of seasons, they haven't made the playoffs. So it's, this is going to be some um, some territory that Aaron Rodgers hasn't played in for a couple of years. So the, the Seahawks can really go into this game with some confidence, feeling like they have some momentum and they can prove something to people that they haven't seen yet. So I, I feel like the, the Seahawks, they should have a, a little bit of confidence going in, into this game and thinking that they can win this game. Okay. I, I, I like that uh, because my number is pretty similar. It's a, it's a five, it, but that's only uh, kind of stating that it's a 50 50 on who can win this game. Um, I, I can't really tilt the confidence more towards either team uh, because the Seahawks, they still look like they need more. And the Packers, like you said, have not been in playoffs the past couple of uh, years. It is a game at Lambeau, and it is, it's difficult for teams to go into Lambeau and get a win. Uh, but I also could see the experience helping out Russell Wilson and the entire team to make it past the Packers uh, in the next round. So my confidence level is right in the middle. It's a 50-50 game where I'm not exactly sure who's going to make it out. Yeah, and I can't wait to see who wins that game. Um, yeah, because, I think it'll be a great matchup. Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like the winner of that game will probably go to the Super Bowl. Wow. <laughs> I, 
Wow, I wasn't we're, going that far. I but really, last that. week I said the Packers anyway that they were going to the Super Bowl. True, that, that's what that. I said last week. That is correct. Um, but in my thinking, neither one of them won the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I don't have confidence in either one of them winning the Super Bowl out of the teams that will be left this left in these playoffs. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Of course, of course. Um, so this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, we're going into the last part of this, which is questions. Um, trivia. Your guess is about as good as mine. Mohammed comes up with the questions. I try to give you a little commentary on it and try to get the answers right. There are three, and they're all multiple choice. So go ahead with the first question, Mohammed. Which of the following NFL teams does not have at least three Super Bowl rings? A, Baltimore Ravens. B, San Francisco 49ers, or C, New York Giants? Ooh. Uh, all right. So we, of course, know for a fact that the Giants have at least two because they got them with um, your boy Eli Manning. Um so it's it's not super hard because there's actually a lot of teams that don't have any championships at all. Um, but I guess go ahead and repeat the question and answer again, and I'll, I'll answer it out and try to get this correct. Which of the following NFL teams does not have at least three Super Bowl rings? A, Baltimore Ravens, B, San Francisco 49ers, or C, New York Giants? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to answer and kind of give some commentation. I might be wrong, but I think I'm right on this one. Um, Baltimore Ravens, of course, have two, which they did get with uh, Ray Lewis being the main piece on both uh, Super Bowl teams. Uh, the Giants have two with Eli and the 49ers. I, I, I know for a fact has more than three um, from back in the day. So, I'm gonna. It's a fifty-fifty now for me between Baltimore and the Giants, and I, I really think it's the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens uh, have less than three Super Bowls. That is correct. They have two. San Fran has five, and the Giants have four. Ah, uh, I didn't know exactly how many the Giants had, but I was pretty confident that they weren't the one who had less than uh, three championships. Uh, go ahead with the second question. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks has the most playoff victories from 2010 to the present? A, Aaron Rodgers, B, Drew Brees, or C, Matt Ryan? Oh, since what year again, just quickly? From 2010 to 2019. Oh, God. Uh, this is going to be a hard one. Um Hmm. It's really just about thinking who's been in the playoffs more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, or who's got who's been there longer. Uh, uh, go ahead um, with the question and answer again. I'll try to answer this. Get it correct. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks has the most playoff victories from 2010 to 2019? A. Aaron Rodgers. B. Drew Brees. Or C, Matt Ryan. I really think this is harder than I'm thinking. It. Um, 
And this is say the quarterbacks again real quick. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Drew Brees, Rodgers. and Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, he did go on tear. They did go to uh, playoffs. Quite. A, I'll just say Drew Brees. I'm, I'm if I'm wrong, I'm fine with that. That's wrong. Uh, <laughs> is it? It's, isn't it Matt Ryan? No, it's Aaron Rodgers. Oh wow! I was going to get it wrong either way, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers has nine. Drew Brees has four, and Matt Ryan has four. Wow, that does not look good for Drew Brees. Uh, uh, I thought there were more there. Um, but go ahead to the last question, and we're going to catch you next week with all the uh, pertinent information about sports. All right, so third question. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks was drafted the latest? A, Russell Wilson, B, Tom Brady, or C, Dak Prescott? Uh, I think this is actually quite easy. Um, or maybe <laughs> if you know the history. Oh yeah, but I think I'm not overthinking this one. I'm pretty pretty sure I know what uh, answer this will be. Um, but go ahead and repeat the question and answer. I'm not even going to give commentary in the first part. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks was drafted the latest? A. Russell Wilson. B. Tom Brady. Or C. Dak Prescott. I'm pretty sure it's Tom Brady because he was drafted very low. Um, uh, Russell Wilson was looked at as a top quarterback in college along with Dak Prescott. So I'm going to go with Tom Brady. That is correct. So Russell Wilson was drafted in the third round. Tom Brady was the sixth round. And Dak Prescott was the fourth round. Yep. Okay. Um and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Of course, uh, hit us with the comments, and we will see you next week.